It was always a slight surprise to her just how much space her once baby son now occupied. There'd been that strange teenage growth spurt time, four or five years back, when one morning he'd ambled downstairs and she could see quite clearly that the five foot five that had gone up to bed the night before had come downstairs as five foot seven. He'd walked across the kitchen and banged into a chair because his accustomed number of steps took him that bit further than they had the day before. What happened to nineteen years? How come a year was so luxuriously long when you were nineteen yourself, but so breathlessly brief when your eldest child was that age? Jess settled herself into the golf's driving seat, firmly trying to convince herself she was not inclined to tears. You had to let your children go. Their independence was proof that you'd got their upbringing right. If only it didn't happen so fast, though, not quite so suddenly. Couldn't he have gone to live in, say, Devon for a few months instead? Why race off to the furthest continent? The car still smelled faintly of Oliver, a mixed scent of Lynx deodorant, Marlborough lights and new trainers. She looked around quickly, half expecting to find a forgotten essential item. Perhaps the All-Australia bus pass that Matt had bought him as a last-minute surprise, or the rough guide to Oz, that backpacker's Bible. He'd left nothing, though apart from his pack of chewing gum, which lay amongst the petrol receipts and her own starburst wrappers in the cubbyhole in front of the gear stick. Eventually, mindful that she'd already paid for the parking and couldn't hang about, Jess started the car and wearily began the drive back to London. She switched on the radio and joined the middle of a discussion about ovarian cysts. Easily the size of a grapefruit, she caught someone saying in alarmingly comfortable tones, before she speedily pressed buttons and settled for some house techno sound that Oliver would have liked. She definitely didn't want to hear about female ailments. Thirty seconds into it and she'd be prodding her side as she drove, wondering if there was a strange new lump, or if her insides always resembled a loose bag of apples. Discussions like that, along with facing the menopause, the empty nest, and midlife men, the far side of the crisis, reminded her of the depressing fallibility of increasing age. So far, Jess had escaped pretty well, health and looks more or less satisfactory. She went to the gym three times a week, with glamorous neighbour Angie, who provided, with only half the effort that Jess put in, a figure to aim for. When she read about middle age, it had never occurred to her so far that this was her category— Oliver setting off on his travels was only the first of what was likely to be a string of mind-muggings waiting round life's shadier corners. Still, she thought, as she headed for the M26, at least this week she wouldn't have a problem deciding on what to write. Nelson's column in the Sunday Gazette, page four, the Comfort Zone supplement, would be about the first gap-year departure from her household. It would be funny, frivolous, and probably contained just a little bit of self-satisfaction. She wouldn't write about feeling bereft. Readers could have their amusement, but they weren't allowed into her soul. So, can I have his room? Natasha, being fifteen, and therefore as yet with no instinct for the right time to ask for this kind of thing, was standing in Oliver's doorway, checking over the stuff he'd left scattered around. From her teenage point of view... Far from being bad timing, she'd picked this vulnerable just-back-from-the-airport moment quite deliberately, getting in quick before her sister Zoe thought of it, and before Jess, still in her coat, had even had time to have a restorative cup of tea and a bit of a think.
Jess took in the sight of Oliver's discarded clothes, unsorted laundry, strewn about tapes, CDs and videos. How many were long overdue rentals, she wondered. Any misuse poignancy this vision might have had was diminished by the scale of clearing up that it would need. This was the biggest of the three first-floor bedrooms, overlooking the front garden and giving anyone with a penchant for serious nosiness a good view of the road and all the neighbours' comings and goings. Natasha had always said it was wasted on Oliver. Boys were neither interested in the pursuit of gossip, nor did they need the kind of clothes capacity that girls did. It would make sense, Natasha persisted, walking into the room and spreading out her long skinny arms to spin round and glory in the space. I mean, what did Oliver ever want with a double built-in wardrobe? It was wasted on him, always mooching about in the same old stuff. I bet it's full of old unwashed football kit left over from school. She opened it.